which is jammed, okay? The amount of effort it is taking for someone to come out and say that they can fix the stop valve. If a plumber can't fix a water stop valve, who can? Flipping Casper the Friendly Ghost, apparently. Hey guys, welcome to season two of Wing It. You're going to be joining myself, Yvonne, and my best mate, Aisha, on for another journey of highs and lows of our 20s. Now we are definitely midway through. We're on the road to 30 now. So be ready for some different topics, different guests, and yeah, taking you into 2021 with some new fresh content. And can't wait for you to join us along for the ride. Keep winging it. Whoop. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of your favourite podcast with Aisha Anavon. Welcome to Wing It. Today, we wanted to start by having a little bit of a catch up really, because I feel like last episode, we left everybody on a slight bombshell and cliffhanger. I don't know if you remember all those weeks ago, Aish, when we recorded last, we asked everybody to guess the gender of the baby. Can you remember? Yeah, that was a bit of a um, a whirlwind episode. <laughs> yeah, and you left everybody hanging till the very end as well, which I thought was hilarious. I know one person that skipped to the end. We won't name and shame them, but um, they skipped to the end because they had a feeling they knew what was coming. So that was really, really lovely. I mean, in that episode, as soon as I did say... Don't you dare skip to the end. I bet you about 95% of people skip to the end. Of course they did. And honestly, we had so many people, people that obviously don't know you personally, message me and congratulate you. And it was just so lovely seeing everybody's well wishes. Even you said yourself, it was quite overwhelming. And it's for some people, which I found hilarious, it wasn't quite a reality because I'd obviously told a couple of people that it wasn't quite a reality until they heard it off hot off the press on Wing It. So... Now it's kind of official. It's out there. Definitely official. The bump says it's definitely <laughs> official. <laughs> I can definitely feel it's official. Are they kicking? Yes. I mean, yes, very, very much so. Big lover of, of cake and uh, gingerbread lattes. Decaf lattes, obviously. Amazing. And yeah, really loves to kick, you know, at five in the morning. You know, the time where you really, really love to be awake. Yeah. Does it wake you up? Do you know what? I'm going to, okay, so I'm, I can't, I can't do the gender neutral because <laughs> it sounds really weird because we found out and I am going to be officially putting this on Instagram because wing it was actually the first time that I publicly announced it. I haven't actually announced it on Instagram yet just because there's just been so much going on, but we found out officially that this is going to be a little boy. Yay! So we can officially use the pronouns. But yeah, he is, he's very kicky. He doesn't, he's quite good actually. He doesn't wake me up. So I feel like he knows when I'm going to sleep and I feel like we sleep at the same time because when I wake up and say like I need to go to the loo at like four or five because going to the loo is basically um, what I do for a living at the moment. Welcome to my world. <laughs> That's true. At least I have an excuse. Not only am I diabetic, but my bladder is just ridiculous anyway. So yeah, a bit of a double double whammy, really. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't. But the thing is, as soon as I do wake up and like go to the loo where I go get a drink of water, he wakes up, which I think is why he starts then kicking. So if so, if I do get up at like five in the morning and I go to the loo, even though I'm t mentally still asleep, he's woken up because he can feel me move. That's my theory. I don't know if it's true, but I don't feel him kicking at night yet. So he's kind of, I think, in a bit of a routine with me, which is kind of cute. I love that. Um, I can definitely tell that he's your child because he's already trying to seek attention from you as soon as you're awake. So like mother, like son, really. I know. Um, definitely related to me. Def definitely related to me. It is very, very exciting. This is also the first episode that we are recording with uh, him and me in our new flat. Yeah. I don't know if anybody kind of made the connection last episode, obviously, that 
Aisha was moving because of the baby. Obviously, she needed to move into a bigger space. We didn't really make that connection because we were very nervous about making this announcement public for the first time. So, yeah, that's why we we didn't kind of put two and two together. So hopefully everybody did. But how is the new flat? How is it going? You're on a South Sea Common now, aren't you? Opposite the really cute tea rooms, which I miss every day of my life. Amazing. Literally freshly made cake and brunch every single day if I want to do it. I, I can't because I literally will be so huge and I just cannot be putting on any more pregnancy weight. But it's just so nice for, obviously you still need to come, but yeah. it's just so nice when people come over that we can just go to a really nice place for tea and cake. They do afternoon tea. And I didn't realise how famous the South Sea tea, like, tea rooms were like and I'm literally living opposite them so yeah it's really really nice we're still by the sea we're we're by the common which is massive 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 area like green area which is really nice for walks and runs and just general merriment when the weather's nice and it's really nice to have another room although I was saying to Yvonne just before we recorded this episode that I am sitting in the baby's room slash spare room slash office slash dumping ground slash where we put all of our stuff that has nowhere else to go so actually what Yvonne is seeing is a complete and utter tip hey that's what spare rooms are for I'm glad you said that (laughs) (laughs) literally everything that has no I mean you can't see this but oh there's a massive wardrobe on on the right side of me as well and on top of this wardrobe is just a, a crap load of bags and empty boxes I don't even know what they're for so Guys, if you've got a spare room that is being used as a dumping ground, we'd love to hear from you, just so that I know I'm not alone. Honestly, like I I said, just off the pod, unless somebody is coming over, and this is why my other half loves it when people come over, because then I actually clean the spare bedroom. So honestly, you're definitely not alone. But it was quite funny the first time I saw that your flat was was what I'm seeing right now. Nobody else gets the pleasure of seeing what I'm seeing right now, which exactly. is beautiful. Yeah. This door is always closed when people come over, so you're actually seeing <laughs> You just yeah. gotta close all the right doors when people come over and just limit them to like half of the house or half the flat. Exactly. Exactly. But hopefully this will this will all be cleared within the next few months and then this will become a little baby's room. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So you are like already got thinking about like designs for a, what is it even called these days? A crib? Not a crib. What's it called? So, Not a baby room. What's it called? So um, for any like expecting first parents out there, please, please do not tell me I'm alone in thinking how overwhelming this is when it comes to buying things for a baby. Like we went, uh, we went into Mamas and Papas over the weekend, and I just had to walk back out after after speaking to the lady because I genuinely felt like I was going in there looking for some kind of MacBook Pro with like all of these gadgets that were on these prams and these cots that do like these little things with with the button and whether they rock or do this or do that. It, it's too much. And literally, one of my friends messaged me the other day, like, oh, by the way, Aish, like, what what have you got already? Just so that I can, you know, let people know. And I and I said to her, I was like, I don't have, I don't have anything. I don't have a single thing for this baby. <laughs> Apart from uh, some little booties <laughs> that I bought because they were so cute. Very important. You've got to get those cute baby shoes in early because they are the the best part about baby shopping, I imagine. And also, we're also learning as well. So me and Tasha are trying to plan presents, whatever the hell we got to get you. And even me and Tasha are like, um, can we just organize another hen do? Because it would be a lot easier then, you know, it's it's just Aisha. OK, I, I understand that you've got a child inside of you, but it's just as hard for me and Tash. Okay, stop being so selfish. It's just as hard for us to plan. (laughs) I can't even keep a straight face when I say that. (laughs) But it has been a bit of a whirlwind. We're like, we literally have no idea. So you you might get um, 12 pairs of little booties because we know they're cute. (laughs) I've come to the conclusion, when in doubt, nappies. Oh, okay. I'm never going to not need them. But, like, how, like, the size of the nappy, the, like, can I just buy you a cloth? (laughs) 
going to attach you with a safety pin. <laughs> Mate, I've actually got to buy some safety pins because I'm going to an Asian wedding and I've got somebody's got to put me in a sari. Pictures pending, guys. But um, if I get some safety pins, shall I buy a cloth and that'll be it? And like, oh, I could yeah. maybe like decorate the outside, like personalize it. Was made in Portsmouth or something like that. Oh my god, this is already t- this. Uh, the, just the thought of it is just is just it's too much. <laughs> but I really feel you obviously moving into your new flat really leads us on to kind of the crux of what we wanted to talk about today. We both have experience, and so have many many of you listening, most likely in fleeing the nest. So leaving your parents' house for the very, very first time, whether that is renting a place or buying a place, we just wanted to chat through kind of the pros and cons, talk about the different options that you have, and just to give you a kind of a few tips and tricks along the way. And I don't know if you agree, Aish, but I definitely don't count university as fleeing the nest because for me, there's always people at home so mum and dad guardians brothers and sisters at home plus you're in that own little you're in your own little bubble where you're paying like all-inclusive bills most of the time there's people around you to help and support you obviously I learned how to pay bills for the first time we made a joint account for the flat because of six of us paying these bills but I still had that security of I can still call mum and I can still call mum and dad now but when you leave home, like for the very, very first time on your own, it's a very different world. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I completely agree. And the thing is with uni as well, you know that it's temporary. You know that after you can always come back home. There's always somewhere to go on the weekends if you need your laundry done or if you need someone. I mean, you pro- I, can even, I can do that now, I guess, but it would just be a bit, bit weird taking, you know. If I've got a washing machine, taking laundry <laughs> into my mom, I'm not going to do my laundry. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. There's still security. You're still getting, you know, student finance. You're still kind of getting all of those, the the comforts under, under that blanket. Whereas when you graduate and you move on, so a lot of people move back to their parents' house and then they're looking for the next step that could actually be the, well, the most permanent step moving out. And I feel like a lot of people get some really good life skills at uni when it comes to things like bills, rent, etc. But like you said, you're doing it with other people, like you're sharing with other people. And also there are companies and uh, like housing companies out there specifically for uni students like Unipol. And they sort out everything for you. And those agents and those landlords, they are renting specifically to students so they know exactly what a student would want, what the lease would be, what the terms would be, how the bills would be split, things like that. So, yeah, I think it is a very, very different experience when you're either renting and specifically buying when it's just you or when it's you and a partner. Because this is actually a, this is actually going to be a really great episode because obviously you've bought Vons, you've, you've been through the process of buying, oh, was it last year, the year before? Hey, it's been three years. Oh my god! It was 2018. <laughs> Jesus, has it been that long? Yeah. Oh, I think it's just because I've moved. Like just now, everything's just in disarray at the moment. Sorry, pregnancy brain. But yeah, so you've you've obviously got your own place. I've rented now. This is my sec our second rented accommodation, and everything is very very fresh in my mind because it's literally just happened like a month a month and a bit ago, and. There are pros and cons to both. And I think it's fair to say that in your 20s, there's this whole kind of vibe around getting your own place, getting on the property ladder. It's it's not a pressure, but it's, it's something that a lot of people are aiming towards before they hit 30 or even 35. They want to be on the property ladder. They want to have that as an investment. But I mean, for example, so my midwife, she's actually rented her whole life She's got three children. She said, I've never had any interest in buying and she's moving to Australia next year. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons to both and there's no right way to do it. Like you shouldn't have to feel like you have to buy property. You shouldn't have to feel like you're that you you're going to rent. It's whatever really suits your circumstances. I'm pretty sure you'll agree on, right? Yeah. So I think the first valid point that you made is, yes, your your midwife, for example, has lived a, obviously a very happy life in the UK. 
but then she's going to pop off to Australia. And I feel like that is one of the, the biggest reasons not to invest because it gives you that little bit of freedom. So you, you don't particularly want to settle down in a particular place. Having the freedom to go wherever, whenever, especially, you know, especially if you're single, you want to you want to see the world and you don't have a partner, you don't have kids to look after. You can just pop off, go. And that's a real, real benefit. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I think renting is so appealing, particularly, like you said, during your 20s. That's the time where you can go and explore when you don't have those responsibilities. You can maybe get onto the property ladder later on in life or never. Like we said, there's definitely no right or wrong answer. It's just like, oh, you have to get married. You have to have kids. No, it's just another milestone that society has put there. And I really wish I would have. Obviously, I love where I am now, but I wish I would have had that freedom to move around a little bit more before settling down, most likely, because I could have lived abroad again. So that is one of the biggest pros to renting. One of the things that I always think about, or one of the biggest things we should be thinking about before we choose, regardless of whether it's renting or buying somewhere, is just thinking about location. So if we're thinking about location in relation to your work, thinking about like job opportunities in the area. So you wouldn't want to just move straight away to, I don't know, the Isle of Arran in Scotland. Yes, it's probably a very, very beautiful place to live in. Maybe I'm thinking retirement age when you haven't got a, a job to think about. There's probably not a lot of job opportunities in an island in the middle of nowhere. So you've got to think about what is the the short term and the long term going to look like for you. So you've got to think about how long you expect to be there. If it's only going to be a short period of time, like when we were doing Erasmus, we knew we were only there for a year. We could come back. Like we said, we, we, we only had that as a temporary accommodation, a temporary thing that we were doing. Again, when you come back, you need to think about where am I going to settle down, particularly Irish now. You're staying in Portsmouth. That's why you decided to obviously get another flat in Portsmouth and not move elsewhere. Thinking about schools, thinking about your midwife care, your hospitals. You've got to think about the amenities around you. So that is definitely something I would think about first and foremost, the location and what opportunities are around, depending on how long you plan on being here. So hopefully I'm going to stay in Reading for most of my working life, to be honest, because it's so well connected to the rest of the country huge job opportunities at Reading as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you if you are the kind of person who knows what they want to do in terms of career, who is quite stable in their career, who's quite happy within uh, their environment and their job, close to family, I think it's a lot easier to decide where that location is going to be, where you want to settle. Like we're still not 100% sure we're actually going to stay in Portsmouth. You know, a, a lot of you will know that if you listen to kind of the earlier episodes and see season one, you'll know that the reason we actually moved to Portsmouth was because of a job that I actually got made redundant from. So we moved, got a place to rent, and then we we didn't have that job anymore. But that was the only reason we moved here. And we ended up obviously having to get another job because we had to pay the rent for that month. And obviously that was over the pandemic. So we had no reason to really go anywhere or move anywhere else. And then we kind of got to know the area and you know you, you just you just get to know your environment I guess but if you are uncertain you still think you've got a little bit of time before you want to make that decision then absolutely renting is a really great way to feel out the area like it's a really great way to see whether you would like to live there and if you don't you don't have any you don't have any commitment to that to that place I mean for those of you who have rented or who are going to rent, you'll know that when you do start renting, there tends to be a fixed term contract. So you may have to be there for a year. You'll have to be there for six months. So that's the only commitment that you will have. But it's not like you've bought that place and you now have a responsibility to pay that mortgage and to take care of that and to take care of that place. But if you are like Yvonne and you know that you want to stay in Reading, like even if, you know, you guys move in the next five to six years, you know that you you know the area, you know which places to look, you've done the research for the houses and the flats, you know which areas are popular, you know which areas are good for transport. 
so it honestly just does depend on your financial situation it also depends on your family situation and it just yeah like you said yeah earlier it depends on what kind of what kind of things you want to do in with your career if you want to travel loads i mean the only reason why i would say a really good idea to buy is if you wanted to have an investment so a buy to let so you buy that house to do it up and then to rent it out as another source of income so a lot of people who travel like business people or travelers they tend to have houses more of investments but it also does mean that if you come back to that specific location or that specific country you do actually have a place to stay you know and um it's your place and you can do it up but the thing is that you also then have a responsibility to look after that so you're essentially a landlord <laughs> which comes with its own fun quirks so uh, we're going to get someone on to talk about that in a little bit more detail on that point Aish so one of the cons I would say of buying so part of us living in a flat so I don't want to bore everybody with the details but if you purchase a house it's usually freehold which means it's everything's yours you don't have to pay any extra money on top of it you pay for your own insurance you pay for contents insurance, you pay for buildings insurance yourself. Nothing is maintained externally. Everything is yours. If you then buy a flat, most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time it's leasehold. And that means that you also have to pay a little bit extra for basically somebody else to maintain like the common areas for you. So I pay an annual fee for the ground rent. And I pay a quarterly fee for what we call the service charge. And that all goes towards maintenance of the garden, uh, fire safety assessment, all sorts. And the reason why I say, one, it's a con because you're paying extra financially. So you are paying a little bit more than you would do. You haven't got any added fees when you buy a house, for example, or you buy a freehold. For leaseholds, you you've got to put it into your budget quarterly, mm -hmm. annually. For our, so there's five flats in our building, we have a landlord's committee. So I'm one of the directors on the board because it, it was either me or my other half. And I'm very much better at paperwork and liaising with people. So I was like, I'll do it. And if one doesn't agree, there can be a lot of issues. So God. if it's a smaller committee, it's usually easier to manage. But also if you've got a block of flats that where there's 200 flats or something in the block, that's even more people that need to be represented. You can't have one from every single flat. So you have, you know, you nominate a couple of people to run the committee. Or if you have like an external housing agency running the committee, then you you might have to pay ad additional fees or they may not be very nice people. They might just be really, really tricky to deal with. So having that over you as well in terms of you having to cooperate and you may not get your way in terms of the maintenance if the service charge goes up because of a cost that people decided on and you don't agree with it so it has to be a mutual decision and most of the time it's a majority vote so that's why I say sometimes it can be a little bit tricky liaising with the other landlords of the blocks of flats or liaising with the housing committee so I highly highly recommend you do that research beforehand as well obviously Everyone would love to be able to buy a house and afford a house. Uh, in Reading, unfortunately, most of the houses were quite old Victorian style buildings. And that's not what we fancied. So we decided to go for something slightly modern. It does come with its slight burdens. But, you know, you've got to weigh up the pros and cons of it, really. Does it mean leaving Reading to, to buy a, a nice house in a different location? You know, if we move to somewhere like Wales, or like I said earlier, in the middle of nowhere, probably a lot cheaper housing, I can afford a nice house, but then like there's no job opportunities, there's no connections in the area. And that's something I would also say is sometimes a con about buying a house or a flat, buying your own property is unless you are on a really good wage, it's really, really hard to do by yourself, mm. which is obviously a good pro for renting a house. So quite often, you know, rent is quite affordable for one person but buying a property usually you need two incomes unless you're balling it and you can afford it by yourself I don't know how you feel about that Aish yeah I mean to be honest even even renting I feel like so many people move in with flatmates for the reason that you know unless you are on a really really good salary because the thing is with with both with both renting and with buying 
you do have these extra charges that no one tells you about before you move in. So even with renting, like, okay, when you go onto Zoopla, you go onto Rightmove, you see the rent, you, you see, you know, I don't know, £950 per month. And you're like, okay, cool, I can do £950 per month. And then you scroll down and you've got your council tax, you've got your water, you've got your gas. If it's, you know, if you've got gas in the property, you've got electric. You, I mean, I, I found out the other day that in Portsmouth, the sewer water charge is completely separate to the water charge. And a lot of the times in a lot of places, the bill is together. So the, the, the water guys, whoever your water guys are, they'll take care of both. But for ours, it's separate. So we've got a separate annual fee for our water that we use. And we have a separate fee for our so like sewer like taking part taking all of that the sewerage sewerage that's yeah it. sorry i couldn't find the word so you have all of these additional bills and you know council tax most areas it's about depending on whether it fits you if it's just you if it's you're in a couple it can be about 100 pounds then you've got your gas and your other electric on top it depends on if you're working from home it's going to be a lot more expensive if you're working on your computer from home all all the time a lot of times as well you've got to think about parking so recently, one of my friends, she's just bought a lovely three-bed house in Eton, and she was actually going to buy another one, which they found out about very, very last minute, and, and they pulled out. And I can't, she told me in the detail, this was a few months ago, and I can't remember the exact problem, I will ask her and, and put it in the notes, but the previous owners were finding it really, really difficult to sell. And no one had told her it was because of the area outside this whole um, row of houses that was to do with the the parking and the, the upkeep, I think, of, of that specific area. And that's why they were finding it so difficult to, to sell. So, you know, you need to find out whether the parking charge, if there are park if you're in a flat, whether there are parking charges, if you're renting, what what the what the permits are, do you you know, visitor permits. There's just so many added costs on top that even with a thousand pounds rent, by the end of it, you're paying about fourteen hundred pounds just for your living costs that's not even you know with car and groceries on top so it is a it is a lot to think about so even you know even if you aren't buying there is still a lot of extra services and charges that you do need to bear in mind if you are doing it on your own first of all it all adds up like you said something that was 900 pound per calendar month if anybody sees that by the way pcm when they're renting it means per calendar month that's something we have to figure out on our on our own Really easy to Google, but giving you guys a heads up. Some people don't even get a car park space. So I know somebody that is living in Wembley. So they bought a property in Wembley. It's a very built up area, a big population in Wembley. They are on a waiting list for a car park space for 30 years. 30 years. Three zero years. Oh my God. So you're so right. It's, it's all about, you know, you... You can't figure everything out, but, uh, you know, like Aisha said, do your research as much as possible. I don't know if you feel the same way, Aisha, about renting, but what I really, really miss about renting is, see, I said I was a, a director on the board of landlords. Obviously, I'm not a landlord. I don't have tenants, but I'm still a owner of the property. But what I really, really miss, and I know we spoke about this earlier in the year, is just not having the blooming responsibility of fixing <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So when you said that your washing machine broke, I know you had issues and you could go into tricky landlords. But um, when your washing machine broke, you were like, yeah, just called the landlord. They, you know, they said they were going to replace it. And I was like, oh, my God, for me to source somebody to come and fix it. First of all, to try and fix it ourselves to save us money. But somebody to then come out and, and do the fix, put it into our monthly budget, etc., and now I'll let everybody know my latest issue is um, the valve on one of our toilets is broken. The amount of liaising I've done with a plumber. So basically, when you know when you flush, it just keeps dripping. So it's constantly dripping my toilet into the toilet bowl, right? It's been going on for months. And then we finally got around to, right, all right, it's getting annoying now. Let's fix it. My other half's bought the part. All we need is for somebody to come and help us turn off our stop valve, our water stop valve, which is jammed, okay? The amount of effort it is taking for someone to come out and say that they can fix the stop valve. If a plumber can't fix a water stop valve, who can? Flipping Casper the Friendly Ghost, apparently. Why can't he fix it? I don't understand. 
they don't want to be liable. So if oh, it leaks, fuck. and it's just like, well, it's either we, we flood from the toilet, eventually the toilet's just going to pack in, or I understand. So I've been hunting around. I'm like, I will pay somebody for somebody to come and find the, the, the outside valve. I will pay you to come and find the valve. Why does someone who has no idea what they're doing have to go around and find it? But anyway, that's my latest drama. If I didn't own the place, I wouldn't have to bother. The amount of admin, the amount of ownership, the amount of just, a, it's just a headache, honestly. So for those, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on any previous pods, but so my family have an inventory business. So we are very clued up when it comes to, well, I say we, not me, but <laughs> my you dad. You do. <laughs> you do know what you're doing. I mean, I mean, yeah. To a Just extent. do a flick of the hair. <laughs> but they are very clued up when it comes to landlords, tenants and agents, specifically renting. So this is specifically renting. And it is crazy the rights that tenants have. So the one good thing, I mean, it's not one good thing, there's a lot of good things about renting and there's a lot of things about buying, as we said, but a really nice, flexible thing about renting is that, yeah, like Vaughn's just said, number one, you have responsibility about obviously the upkeep of the place, but if anything goes wrong, so when I say wrong, even things like mould, even things like the ceiling being mouldy or the window ceiling not, so our double glazing so all of our windows are double glazed, but they, they don't shut properly. So you can sometimes feel a bit of a bit of a draft. Things like, uh, I don't know, a leak happening. It is none of it is your responsibility and you don't have to pay I mean, unless you've specifically damaged something. Like unless you've specifically taken a sledgehammer and you literally damage the damage that you caused is, you know, irreparable. The landlord or the agent, so when you're renting, you either rent from a private landlord or you rent from a lettings agent, and that agent liaises with the landlord, so they basically handle the property for them. They have full responsibility of fixing anything that is in your flat, and if they do not do that, they are liable, and they can actually, you can actually sue them for that. So specifically things for like, like mould, if there is mould in your apartment, that is the landlord's problem to fix it because that is a health hazard. If it's your own property, that's your own problem. Like if you if you let it grow, if you do something about it, and you have to pay out of your own pocket to fix that. When our oven, so our oven at the moment is playing up. All I did was email the agent and they called someone to come do it up. Our oven broke twice in our previous flat. One time he came out. And literally, I don't know what had happened. I think the circuit had cut and all I had to do was press like a different button to turn it on. And I didn't realize because <laughs> that's just me. I'm just a complete idiot. And he literally brought all of his tools with him. He like just said, oh, you have to turn this button and it was working completely fine. I didn't have to pay a single penny of that. The landlord would still have to pay a visitor fee, even though there was nothing physically wrong with that. I mean, I didn't know that there was nothing physically wrong with it. It's not like I did it on purpose, but just when it comes to things like that, it's really nice to have kind of that stress and that load off. That if anything is to happen, you can call someone and they will try and fix it. But if you do have a horrible landlord, if you do have a horrible landlord and they don't fix it, that's when the problems arise because there's physically nothing you can do about it. So what happened in your situations then where you said you had a bit of a issue with some nightmare landlords like what what happened yeah so so it's interesting because the previous place that we uh we rented that was from a private landlord we did it privately and this place we're actually doing through an agent so we don't have any contact with the landlord whereas the previous place we had direct contact with the landlord and over christmas there was a leak in our bathroom and it was a horrible, horrible leak to the point that you literally the ceiling like was coming off. <laughs> like you could literally see the paint and everything flaking. And it was right. So, you know, when you sit on the toilet, the water was literally like if you were to sit on the toilet, the water would literally be dripping to, on your legs when you go to the toilet. <laughs> it was in the most inconvenient You've place got laugh. ever. Right. And it got to the point where, because it was on the top floor, there was water coming down. Obviously, we were cooking and stuff. It was freezing. It was over Christmas. So we didn't want to open the windows. And there was condensation 
everywhere. And there was already a mold problem when we had moved in. And this was this is after eight months now. So it got to the point where we couldn't stay in the flat because it was freezing if we opened and let any of the air in. There's water bloody leaking from the toilet. And on top of that, my husband was really, really, really ill. He was so, I don't know if you remember, he, we literally thought he had COVID. Like, yeah, he was ill for weeks. He was ill for about a month and a half. And we had to actually go down and stay. I mean, it was Christmas anyway, but that's besides the point. We went down and stayed with my mum and, and my dad because we were just so miserable in the flat. And when we messaged him about it, he said that it was really difficult to get anyone out over Christmas. And I have a lot of people in my family who work within property and they literally said anyone in, a, in an emergency can come out within 24 to 48 hours, even over the Christmas period. So it was an unfortunate situation, but you win some and you lose some when it comes to renting. So then if a private landlord isn't doing their job, who is there then to call on? Uh, I think there is a, I think you call on the council. Yeah, I think you go to the council. Because also, so when you are renting, unlike when you are buying, you have a checkout inventory when you move out and a check in inventory when you move in and that can also go to court and tenants have a lot of rights when it comes to that so there's always there's always disputes when it comes to landlords and and, and tenants but there is always someone who will be able to back your corner if it's genuinely not your fault so the council can help I think there's like uh, not a society but like a so like it's like you're part of a committee I think there's a committee within the council of landlords and I think you can go there to complain make a complaint basically about about a landlord if they're not treating you correctly so from what you're saying obviously it's been such a long time since i've rented life so what you're saying would you rather be dealing with letting agencies or are there fees are there hidden stuff like what what would be the benefit of then being with a letting agency apart from obviously not having that direct contact with the landlord because obviously the letting agency are there to sort it out and liaise in between yeah exactly the the good thing about letting agency is they can be a good go in between so they will be able to see it from both sides as an indifferent party. We don't pay anything extra for a letting agent. It's the landlord. I think it's the landlord who pays the extra fee. The, the thing is, if you are if you are a landlord dealing directly with with your with your tenant, it is more beneficial to you because you're not paying fees out of your pocket to an agent to look after the property. But it do, it does help say if you're like abroad and you can't physically deal with what's going on, you would pay an agent. But I mean, our, our previous landlord, he literally lived in Portsmouth. So he was coming and going all the time, fixing up the property, doing whatever. So are there any cons to a letting agency apart from if they're a bad letting agency? The anno- the potential annoying, I mean, we haven't had it so far, but I mean, touch wood, it's only been a month. The only annoying thing maybe if the letting agency is very slow because then it takes a lot of time for, say for example, like, so we wanted to put a thing up on on the wall, like put nails in. And then we asked the agency, the agency asked the landlord, the landlord told the agency, then it just takes a very, very long time for messages to be relayed. And also the agency doesn't really have any power when it comes to things like, oh, we want a new oven. Oh, our window's broken. It all has to go through the landlord. So everything's just a little bit more delayed. While we're on that topic of obviously trying to hammer in nails and things like that, again, one of the pros and cons of uh, renting versus owning. Renting, like you said, there has to be a process of getting approval, whereas obviously in your own property, it's yours. You can do literally whatever you want with it unless you want to put a, a pole through the wall or something, you know what I mean, or get planning permission, etc. So everything is self-contained. You have autonomy over what you do and when you do it like you said there's there's no liaison with anybody else apart from like I said the common areas if you live in in like a flat for example I wanted to throw out a statement that quite a few people say when it comes to renting and I wanted your opinion really so quite a lot of people say that renting is dead money Mm. how do you feel about that I know where they're coming from because it is very frustrating to think that we could literally be paying half of what we're paying now for our mortgage. But it's very easy to say that. However, in order to buy a house, you need the funds to buy a house, right? So yes, the money that you could be paying on rent could be put towards saving. But I don't think there's any reason why you can't save if you're also renting. You just have to kind of cut down maybe on a few other costs. Obviously, I know it depends on everyone's financial situation. 
And some people may choose to live at home to save on their rent. That's absolutely fine. We did that for a little bit as well. We just needed our own space after a while. And obviously I got a new job. So I do understand why people say it is dead money. But I think they're also forgetting that in order to buy a house up front, the costs are extravagant. So yes, you do get a mortgage that can be, you know, a few hundreds and it's it's half as much. And, you know, you have the full freedom of, you know, extending, doing it up, doing what you want. And it's it's an investment for life. But you, you do need to get there first. And if you don't physically have those funds to begin with and renting is your only option, then that's still your own space at the end of the day. And you can still save up. There are still options to help you then get the house. There are loads of government options to help you get that house to save, to invest. But everyone's working towards their own timelines. Yeah, and I'm I'm completely on on the same wavelength uh, as you, Aish. Like some people really don't like the idea of just literally paying someone else to live somewhere, which I completely understand. Mm. But also, yeah, I I think some people are a little bit uneducated when it comes to buying a house they feel like they can just go in without a lot of research the biggest piece of advice I can give is obviously we said do your research but also just get your funds in order so you can do like a free mortgage calculator online so if you put in your salary how much are you likely to get back from the bank if you put in yours and your partner's salary again how much you'll be hopefully going to be getting back from the bank. And obviously, this is a complete estimate. Again, we'll put a mortgage calculator link in the in the bio, but you really need to be earning a de- And when I say a decent amount, like I would say, like minimum for any kind of decent mortgage, I'd say combined, I want to say about 50. I think that, yeah, that's about standard. And that you can't be on like a part-time wage. You can't be in and out of jobs you have to prove that you've been in a job. So I actually waited to get my keys in my, I don't know if you remember, Aish, I was trying to buy and leave our job at the same time. Yeah. I didn't hand in my notice to my job until I'd physically got the keys in my hands to my flat because you have to prove three at least three months of income. Yeah. So if you've got a gap in employment, luckily this will happen before the pandemic. As we know, I spent 10 months unemployed They will not be giving you a mortgage if you spent that much time unemployed. Yeah. So we're not trying to do this as a like a scaremongering. You know, we're not trying to scare you guys off or put you guys off. But please do your research. Please look into the options. Like Aisha said, there are lots of government schemes. The schemes have changed since three years ago. Please look into uh, what you do have to pay, what you don't have to pay. Go and Google what stamp duty is. Again, happy to put a link, but stamp duty was free. We didn't have to pay stamp duty. I'm not even sure what stamp duty is, to be honest. It's just an extra fee that you pay. It's just a tax. Yeah, like blooming council tax. As soon as you said that, I literally had shudders going through my body. Just such a, a waste. You know, it's just something you have to add in the budget. It just goes nowhere. That's dead money. And solicitor fees. No one talks about those, right? That's a really, really good point as well. Like I'd say at least five grand in your back pocket for solicitor's fees as well. And you're looking at between a five and 10% deposit, depending on what scheme you do. So we had to pay a 10% deposit because we we didn't do any of the government schemes. Again, research whether it is worth doing any of the government schemes as well or any schemes out there, because the one that we actually did didn't actually benefit us in the end. Mm. So again, just try and... Do as much research as you can as possible. And we've both been through the mill when it comes to like buying and renting. And I would say, honestly, the biggest, biggest tip I can give, and I sh- please back me up or don't back me up, but Excel is actually a lifesaver. So budgeting really, you know, it was kind of under the radar. I didn't really care, didn't really think about money until I bought, or to be fair, even when I was renting before I bought this property. But just budgeting all of these extra fees that you don't take into consideration, not your everyday stuff like transport or groceries. But like you said, the council tax, work out how much you would need to pay depending on your area. The water fees, do they go up? You know, gas prices are meant to be rising. And I know we've sent a link before or we've put a link there before to uh, Martin Lewis, the, the money saving expert, 
he's got a guide for everything. So again, we'll, we'll relink that. I think it's a super, super useful tool, super useful website. But I mean, what is your relationship with Excel and budgeting, Aish? Oh, I love Excel. I've always used it for budgeting. I like, I like generally just having things on, like on paper or in front of me just so that I know exactly like what I'm working towards. So like even if you are working towards a specific deposit, you know, work it backwards. So, okay, uh, we want to buy within the next two years. If our goal is to buy by the 19th of October, 2024, this is what our, this is what our budget has to be. And that includes solicitor's fees, you know, everything. It's the whole thing. Have a lump sum and then work it per month to see exactly how much you need to put aside And that can be while renting. I mean, I know for a lot of people living at home with their parents isn't an option. You have to rent depending on your job. So there's no reason why you can't work towards that goal while you are still renting. There's loads of, yeah, money saving and economical ways to live nowadays. So if you have that goal in mind using something like Excel, or there's loads of like online calculators out there and and, and, and different ways to do it. If you're a paper person, do it all on, you know, have a budgeting journal. But yeah, just if you have it in front of you and you know what you're aiming for, it's really, really useful tool to focus and, and to prioritize that that specific that specific aim and that specific date as well. So yeah. And I actually started saving for the first time this month. So I don't know about you, Aish, but I actually have two separate accounts. Mm-hmm. So I have the one that all my set uh, all of my salary comes in. And then for the first time since the pandemic, if you can believe. So in the first time in 18 months. I'm now in a position where I used up quite a lot of my savings. Obviously, not everybody's in a privileged position to have savings to begin with. I did. I always have some for a rainy day, particularly if you own a property. You've got to have some backup funds in case there is the leak, there is a fire. You just don't know what's going to happen. Like Aisha said, you've got to be the one paying for it. So I always have, they say, try and have at least three months salary in your back pocket for a, a rainy day or a disaster in the flat or in the house. So this month is actually a pretty big achievement for me. So I started, it was only, you know, a couple of hundred quid that I could put away. But now that I'm not commuting to Newbury and back again, I'm using the money that I would have done to commute to Newbury and back to save because I know I can afford it. I, you know, I could easily go out and spend it on drinks and dinners with friends and family. But I've just, for the first time in 18 months, I've just put away a couple of hundred quid for replenishing my savings. And that's my personal goal is to replenish my savings within the next couple of years that was lost due to the pandemic. So that's my little financial win yeah. uh, in the last couple of months as well. I don't know if you've you've had any as well, Aish, before we, before we end today's episode. To be honest, everything's kind of been a bit all over the place at the moment because we've just had the new flat and also we're saving and budgeting towards baby. So, you know, hopefully this will be... We really like this flat, so hopefully this will be the last place that we rent before we do buy because obviously as we know babies can be quite pricey (laughs) just just a tad (laughs) yeah you don't don't realize so yeah that might uh so again of personal circumstance so it may so now it means that our deadline to buy a house is pushed a little bit later which is fine but you know we still have a date in mind we still are planning towards that and instead of just saving towards a house now we're putting so I also we have two we have a joint account I have two accounts another saving account so you know every single month there's amounts going into all of those different different pockets and it's a little bit like a a virtual bank you know when you've got the pots for your different yeah for your different and if we learn from the financial crisis of 0708 don't put all your eggs in one basket exactly if the bank crashes you're a bit buggered. You, you, yeah, yeah, you're a little, 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 little bit. Yeah. So you know, and it, it all does come down to priority. I mean, I literally read an article the other day where this girl had bought her first place uh, by the age of, I think it was nineteen or twenty, just because from the age of sixteen she didn't go out. She worked. She didn't go to uni. She didn't go out. She she was really, really, really tight with her budget for three years. She saved as much as she could. She got her property. She's on the property ladder now, and now she can enjoy her money a little bit more. You know what I mean? She can go to uni if she wants. So it is all about it is all about priority. And yes, you do have to live your life. You do have to enjoy it. But remember that 
there are ways to enjoy life while also working towards certain financial goals. And sometimes you do just have to be stricter with yourself. You do have to be disciplined and be honest with your mates, be honest with your friends that, you know, you can't go out every weekend because of this. Like, there's no shame or embarrassment in it. You'll be the first one to buy a house. And then they'll be like, whoa, how'd you do that? You'll be like, well, you remember that night you went out? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so... And there's definitely no shame in, like we said, living with your parents right now. Honestly, I think we're both probably in the same situation of, I wish I was living at home with mum and dad right now so I didn't have to live with the stresses and strains of, you know, owning and renting and all of this drama going on, like I said, with the the landlords committee, etc. You know, dodgy landlords. But one thing that is really beneficial in your situation as well is obviously once you have the baby, you might even find that, like you said, you might not like the schools in the area. You might want to change your job. You might want to be closer to mum and dad to help you with the baby. So I think you're you're playing your cards right as well at the moment. You've got your options open. We don't know what's going to happen. And, that, you know, anything could happen as we've learned from the pandemic in the next two or three years or so. So as long as you're settled in your new flat, Aisha, I could not be happier. And like all of us, we cannot wait to to meet your your little baby boy eventually. Yes. Just imagine this is going to be his first home. I know this is the thing. It's, it is quite emotional. I'm glad we did move because it is a lot. Um, it's a lot more accessible and it's a lot more comforting. It's a two bed now. Two bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said because the other one. That was it. The nur- That was the word I was looking for. Is going to be his nursery. <laughs> the baby room. <laughs> glad it took us an hour to get to that word. I try. <laughs> yeah, and it is really nice as well because our main bedroom it's it's huge. So we've got space for him to be sleeping, you know, in the same room as us for the first six to seven months or however long it's gonna be. So it's just a lot more space and it's just a lot more kind of where the vibe that we want. I'm jealous of your location. I wish I was living in Portsmouth again on the beach. <sighs> it is nice. I mean not so nice in the winter, but in the summer definitely 10 out of 10 recommend exactly and also if anybody has any questions for Aisha about what it's like to sort all of this out for baby boy please send them in like we said we're going to be prepping for this episode coming up I'm sure Aisha would have already got the answer or will be pending answers as she goes through because I mean you're nearly done mate you're nearly full term you know you're kind of a you know what you're doing now yeah like it has gone extremely quickly and yeah we will be doing i'll be going into graphic details so i can't wait yes it's gonna be a great episode great episode but until then guys we really really hope you did enjoy this please send through any questions on buying mortgages renting freehold leasehold anything that you're not sure of there's a lot of things that go into buying and renting a house me and Yvonne are still learning along the way so if there's anything that we don't that we don't know that you've asked us we will go and find the right people to answer those questions for you but yeah we're both at that stage now I think we're all at that stage now where we're thinking kind of along these milestones and if you're not that's perfectly fine as well it's just nice to be prepared and do a little bit of research for when you feel that that time is right for you so thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this there's a lot of information in there so yeah I hope you have taken as much of it in as you can and we'll probably be doing another very similar episode in a few months or so because there is a lot to talk about specifically when it comes to specifically buying a house there's a whole other episode we can go into there so yeah thank you so much for listening but I hope you guys are all keeping safe keeping well and yeah look out for our next episode because it is gonna be a good one have a lovely rest of your day guys bye bye